One of the hottest teams in the NHL, you might be surprised to figure out, is the Arizona Coyotes. And they went on a recent winning streak that is probably never going to be seen again, in which they defeated five straight Stanley Cup champions, the past five champions, as a matter of fact. Can they keep this momentum going throughout the rest of the season? Episode 390 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, Brett, a team that has struggled to gain relevancy in previous years. And uh, apologies, I meant episode 391, not episode 390. In any event, uh, the Arizona Coyotes, <laughs> Coyotes are the talk of the town for one strange reason. Yeah, it's interesting. I I doubt this was intentional or anything, but uh, but yeah, I guess there was a point in the schedule where the uh, Coyotes played um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche, the St. Louis Blues, the in Wa- the Washington Capitals, um, and of course, if you're keeping this at home, let me see if I can do this by memory. Uh, the Washington Capitals won in 2018. The Tampa Bay um, Lightning. Oh no, no, sorry. I, I um, of course, St. Louis in 2019. Yeah, of course, I blinked the St. Louis Cup um, <laughs> out of my mind. Tampa Bay won 2020 and 2021. Uh, Colorado won uh, 2022, and Vegas, of course, won in 2023. Um, and it was like it's a weird order too, because for instance, Vegas was the first team that they faced off against. Um, but it wasn't like chronologically backwards because uh, then they played Tampa, then they played Colorado, uh, then they played St. Louis, and then they played Washington. But um, in any case, they won all those five games. Um, what's also interesting is um, I, I kind of just wish that they played Pittsburgh um, the next time because that would be, be how it would go. Um, because they won the 2017 and 2016 Stanley Cups. But they play them this Tuesday, uh, December 12th. Um, they don't play, in case you're wondering, they don't play Chicago until, like, March. And they don't play L.A. Um, I think even later than that. Um, yeah, they played L.A. on November 20th. Oh, they have already they played L.A.? One, so they don't play them for a while. But that's it. Kind of also interesting, too, in its own way, because L.A. and Chicago are, well, Chicago's in Arizona's division, and L.A. is in the conference, whereas a couple of these teams, Tampa Bay and Washington, um, are in the Eastern Conference. So it's like you only, like, you would imagine that, especially Chicago, uh, you imagine that you play them more often, but I guess... I guess not. Although I guess they played Chicago earlier on in the year. Oh, that's why. Okay, so they already played Los Angeles um, earlier on in this year. Um, as yeah, you the to. Kings, are, by the yeah. way, are off to a hot start. Yeah, in fact, they won ten straight yeah. road games to start the year. So, yeah. um, you know, beating the LA Kings is just as impressive as beating the Vegas Golden Knights these days. Yeah, like yeah. they're the cream of the crop and across the league. 
not just the division they play in. Yeah. Um, I should also note that they did lose to Philly on Thursday and they lost to Boston on Saturday. Um, so, um, so it's not like a five game winning streak there, but they're still fourth in the central division. They would be first in the wild card if the playoffs started today. Um, 13, 11 and two. Um, so, so there's that. So it's not like they're, you know, this is a crazy run, but it is kind of cool that they scheduled it this way. Um, I'm sure it was unintentional. Um, but in any case, um, Connor Ingram, um, I think that's the star, a big reason why they're this, like, this is why we're talking about them. Um, because, um, yeah, he's 11 and 5 right now. He has a 2.52 GAA and a save percentage of 920. Um, and he's, he started all those games, even the games against Philadelphia and Boston. Um, in fact, he hasn't. Um, oh, he did play. They did play uh, the LA Kings and the St. Louis Blues before this winning streak happened, but they lost to those mm-hmm. guys. But Ingram has started the last um, nine games, um, which is interesting because last year Velj Melka was the starter here. Um, And yeah, he hasn't started in a long time. So um, I am kind of curious now that they've lost a couple of games. I am wondering if maybe they give Velj Melka a start uh, to continue because it wasn't like I mean, Velzmelka had a sub 900 finish last year, if I remember correctly. But he also uh, had a lot of shots um, or saves against them. Um, against so it was like you know he was still pretty good, but like if he was on a better team, he might have had a better save percentage. He's one of those goaltender situations where it's like he might be a good goaltender. It's just the defense was bad last year. Um, and uh, so I'm kind of curious just to see that. Um, but yeah, Connor Ingram is basically the story. Um, I do also want to mention and shout out uh, Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, who have the most points um, on the team right now. Um, and they have uh, Keller has 25 points. Uh, Schmaltz has 20 points. Uh, uh, Matthias Michelli has 19 points. Um, and then uh, you have... Nick Bukestad and Lawson Krause with 17 points each. What's interesting, though, is you would think that the highest point getters on this team, because that's usually the case, is they also have the most goals. Um, However, Keller has nine goals. Uh, Schmaltz has nine goals as well. Uh, Michelli has four goals. Nick Bukestad has six. Um... And like Lawson Krauss, to his credit, he is, you know, he has 12 goals, so that's not bad. But the highest goal scorer right now on the team or the, the leader on the on the team is uh, Michael Carcone, um, who uh, who was from your Ottawa Senators a few seasons ago. Um, yep. And he had a um, he has a um, I think it was like a four game goal streak or something going on. Um, he was leased property for a, a hot yeah. second, if I remember correct, as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's the case. But yeah, he has 13 goals, which of course it's not like um, Brock Besser or um, 
you know, I'm trying to think of the top goal scorers right now, um, or like DeBrin Cat are doing right now, but it's still like, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of impressed at the fact that like Arizona, you like, it's not like Arizona, like they just have a lot of playmakers. Cause like I knew Clayton Keller was good last year, um, but I knew he doesn't really score a ton of goals. Same with Matthias Michelli and Nick Schmoltz. Like those are your three best players, your three best skaters. And none of them really shoot all that often. Um, so so that's kind of like an interesting aspect about the Coyotes is they have a lot of playmakers on their team. Um, and like even guys like Logan Cooley um, and Alex Kerfoot, um, they have, um, and Kerfoot, by the way, he went on like a 10-game point streak or something crazy. He had a, like a huge point streak as well. Um they, they don't even score goals at all, basically. Kerfoot has two goals, but 13 assists. Uh, Logan Cooley has three goals and 11 assists. Um, and then I also wanted to shout out uh, Sean Dursey. Um, he's kind of been, um, he's kind of cooled off a little bit um, in recent months, but, um, and he also was injured for a time during this, um, during uh, this, uh, this streak going on, but, um, he has 13 points in 25 games. Uh, JJ Moser, um, is the next defenseman and also on the, this points list who has 12 points in 26 games. Um, and you know, it's, uh, I could just go down the list here, but, um, the only other one that I kind of really, well, there's two that I, three that I want to mention, uh, before I'm just like listing all the guys on the team, um, <laughs> Is one, you know, because the uh, Coyotes did go out and get Jason Zucker. And I was thinking like, okay, that is an interesting move. Um, and I was just thinking like, okay, like, you know, he was kind of like a secondary role in the Penguins. So maybe this is like a change of scenery where he could have more of a role. But what's interesting with Zucker is he's kind of struggling. He has nine points in 19 games. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, I also wanted to shout out, uh, Barrett Hayden. Um, he has four points in 16 games. Um, there was a time period where it seemed like Barrett Hayden was going to be like the one C on this team. Um, of course this was even before Logan Cooley was even drafted, but, um, but that was kind of like an interesting thing where I'm like, okay, so the Coyotes are doing really well, but now it's like Nick Bukestad and um and Nick Schmaltz are your uh top two centers and not um and not uh Barrett Hayden um and like Logan Cooley's also in there as well uh, Jack McBain's also like he's been injured lately but um but when he was playing he had seven points in 13 games um so that's kind of interesting that like I'm wondering like oh this is a team that doesn't even have Barrett Hayden working doesn't have Jason Zucker working they have Dylan Gunther in the um in the AHL um so it's like they could like they could make some moves basically or like they're still developing those guys clearly and uh, we haven't seen their full potential just yet or you know maybe they've um we've hyped them up too much or whatever but uh that's kind of interesting there and the last person before I take it to you about your thoughts here is uh Matt Dumba um he was another one where he was kind of like an under-the-radar signing. I feel like every Arizona Coyotes signing or trade that they have 
is under the radar because it's just like everyone is underrated. Um, that probably has a lot to do with the fact that they're, um, they might not be in Arizona next season. Um, but, um, but it is interesting that like pretty much I like, I feel like talking about this and I'm thinking like, I don't even know if casual NHL fans know about any of these guys, but anyways, and Matthew Dumba, he was kind of like an under the radar signing. I think it was in August, maybe late August or early September. Um, and I was thinking like, oh, that's an interesting move. It was a one-year deal. Um, and you're just thinking like, okay, maybe maybe this will be a way for um, Matt, like, like Matt Dumba to, to get uh, better. Um, even though I knew that they had Sean Dursey still, they still had Yuso Valimaki um, in the system. So you're, you're just thinking like, I feel like Matt Dumba could have pulled like a John Klingberg kind of situation in Anaheim where it's like he he has a phenomenal first half you trade him um towards the second half um or just before the deadline and you get a lot of um rewards that way but so far he hasn't been that good four points in 25 games um I know um I hate plus minus but I'm gonna uh, but only when um the I mean they're kind of dumb but uh, sometimes it's glaring enough where I'm like, okay, I have to pay attention to that. He has a minus six um, in a plus minus. Um, although I, now that I'm looking here, a lot of the players on this team have a minus in their plus minus. So Clayton Keller has a minus 10. Um, and Logan Cooley has a minus nine. Nick Schmaltz has a minus nine. But in any case... Um, that kind of just indicates like when a defenseman has a minus in their plus minus, that is a bigger indicator to me where I'm like, okay, maybe there is something more here um, on his defensive side of things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I don't, I mean, we'll get into our questions later, but I did want to give it off to you on what, what's your thoughts on this Arizona Coyotes team? Well, um, for, first of all, they're, they're a middle of the pack team and they have a positive goal differential. They're plus seven on the season. Um, they're um, when it comes to uh, their power play in particular as a unit, 24.4%. Like when's the last time an Arizona Coyotes team has had a percentage like that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty incredible when you consider, you know, some of the guys that you have on your team, like Nick Bukestad, and you mentioned Carcone and, and you also have Jason Zucker there as well, uh, on top of, you know, guys like Jack McBain and Lawson Krause and uh, Logan Cooley. Uh, what's in, in particular, what surprised me is when Arizona was on this winning streak, two things in particular. First of all, they shut out the, the Vegas Golden Knights. They didn't just beat them. They shut them out to nothing. And uh, in four of the five games during that losing streak, they gave up a goal or less. Uh, they had two shutouts, two games where they gave up one goal, and that one game uh, was against Colorado where they gave up three goals, and they still won that game four to three. So again, you know, Vegas and Colorado, they're showing up, and they're scoring enough to beat them, and also uh, doing a good job of holding them off, keeping them at bay. And in doing so, their power play percentage this year has been very, very promising. Um, the faceoff numbers at 47%, kind of expect that from – you know, a young team that's trying to find their way, but they're 13, 11 and two, like you said, Brett, um, they've done a lot of their damage outside of the shootout. They have 10 of their 13 wins 
um, I believe is the number. Uh, yeah, 10 of their 13 wins uh, in regulation. Uh, they have one overtime win, so that means they have uh, three uh, shootout wins. So they're getting a, a fair amount of their wins in regulation outside of extra time. So uh, that is a big stride for, you know, a team like Arizona. I would imagine, you know, they'd be getting a lot of their one-goal victories. But uh, they're getting a lot of multi-goal wins uh, in that stretch as well. When I look at um, some of the players that um, have been producing uh, over the past month throughout the course of the season, it kind of provides an interesting scenario similar to the Anaheim Ducks who have since tailed off. But it, it, it becomes a point where it's like, okay, you've got this team that's really surprising everyone. Now, how are you going to capitalize on that? How are you going to invest on that moving forward? And I think a normal person in Arizona that is wanting a playoff push might say, hey, keep these guys and whatever happens, happens. See what you can do heading into March and April. We're waiting to see our team do something late in the season that actually means something, not just, you know, counting down the days to draft day. But if I'm the Arizona Coyotes and I want to capitalize on the youth movement and kind of build on the youth movement later, maybe if, you know, someone wants a guy like Michael, Michael Carcone and you can get a second or, or a third round draft pick out of that, maybe you take the future route and you take the draft pick over the player. Because realistically, 16 points from Nick Bugstad in a short sample size, when are you going to get that kind of production from him again? Same with yep. Michael Carcone. Yep. Uh, who has played every single one of his 55 games with the Coyotes. He's been in the Sens farm system and in the Leafs farm system, but in the NHL, he's only ever played with the Coyotes. And you're getting, you know, a, a guy that's scoring at Brandon Peary levels where he's got potentially a 20-goal season in him, but also like five assists by the end of the year. So if you're going to be taking advantage of the short-term investment, then you might as well really take advantage by um, by by trading those short-term pieces away and maybe getting someone for the long-term later because uh, the Arizona Coyotes, while they are looking good, I still think they are a team that is probably building for the future. And if you want to accumulate draft assets and draft capital and become better later and for the long-term, it's by using those draft picks as either leverage to get a big piece later or using those draft picks to draft and develop your own future players. And I think Arizona's got a good chance to capitalize on that. While they have been good, I definitely think the main uh, challenge uh, when you're in a position like the Arizona Coyotes is how can you get better moving forward? And I think the best decision to them is to highlight draft picks over current players in terms of guys outside of the core guys like Logan Cooley that you're trying to build. On. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of agree with you. I think there is something to like, they are definitely building on something that's um, that's interesting. And I feel like with this whole like Arizona Tempe bid thing that happened over the summer, like that, um, kind of put like um, not a damper necessarily, but it, like they're they're perpetually they always have this chip on their shoulder kind of thing because it's like, oh no one wants us kind of thing, and it's it's like an interesting aspect of how it relates to their identity, 
as I just mentioned too, where I feel like all these players I'm talking about, it's like, I know that Clayton Keller is good. I know Nick Schmaltz is good. But I think there's also like the aspect of like, I play and all that stuff. So it is always interesting from that identity aspect of like, oh, we're, we're actually watching them become a team. And that kind of has been a big part of their system. But now I'm like, are they actually like, should they be considered like a good team? Like the Colorado Avalanche, like the Vegas Golden Knights, like the Dallas Stars um, in the Western Conference? And I'm not sure. Um, credit to Andre Tarani um, and Bill Armstrong, the head coach and the general manager, respectively, of this team for building this kind of roster. Uh, because I think the thing that I was kind of alluding to, too, is that, yeah, Logan Cooley, he's, he's not bad right now. But, uh, but like, in the future, he's going to be pretty good, or he's only going to get better. Um, Dylan Gunther, I had alluded to as well. Uh, they're going to do, mm-hmm. like, he's going to come up pretty soon, I imagine. Um, and he'll be, he'll be something that's, that's going to be worthwhile. Um, and then, and, like, you know, Jack McBain for a little bit. But when he was healthy, he kind of has that good, like, role for him. Um, and he was putting up points as well. Um, and like they, they have Victor Soderstrom, they have, um, you know, even, even guys, um, like the guys they drafted this year, Simashev and Daniel Boot. Um, so, so those guys are coming up and they, they could be pretty good. Um, and also like that was a good trade with Sean Dursey. Um, that seems so, um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think that's kind of like the thing that you're, you kind of have to look look forward to as a Coyotes fan. It's like, they're still pretty young. Like, I know Nick Bukestad is 31, same with Jason Zucker, and, and Nick Schmaltz isn't, like, he's 27, but he's, you know, all that stuff. But at the same time, Clayton Keller is 25. Um, you have uh, Logan Cooley, who's 19. Uh, Sean Dursey, who's 25. Um, you have... Uh, uh, yeah, Logan Cooley is Matthias Michelli has uh 23, uh, uh, who's 23. Um, I feel like Matthias Michelli is slowly becoming like you know, I feel like every year we say like who's the most underrated. A while it was Louis Erickson, sometimes it was like Nick Bukes, uh, uh, sorry, Nick Backstrom, um, <laughs> sometimes it was like Rupe Hintz, but then it comes to a point where it's like they become so good that are so hyped up that people start talking about them too much. Um, and I think that's going to start happening with Matthias Michelli and Clayton Keller, where pretty soon we're going to be like, yes, we know they're good. Um, can we stop talking about them? Um, but, uh, or like they're, they're kind of like rated at that point. But, um, but yeah, anyways, uh, um, I do agree with you that I don't know if they're necessarily contenders right now, especially since they lost to the Flyers and the Bruins. Um, but, um, and, you know, we'll see what they do these next couple of weeks um, as well. But, uh, but yeah, I, I did say that they, um, so currently they're first in the wild card uh, with, they have 28 points. Um, they are uh, tied with Nashville. By the way, there's a few games that have happened. So by the time you're listening to this um, episode, the standings have probably changed. But um, right now, the playoff race is looking like, um, just from the Western Conference side of things, 
Um, the top three in the Central are hey, Colorado has 34 points, Dallas is 33, and Winnipeg has 32 points. Arizona has 28 points, um, and um, and then uh, Predators have 28 points as well. Um, in terms of the next team, sort of teams that are coming along, um, that could could f- make the Coyotes face some issues right now. Uh, the St. Louis Blues they have 27 points. Calgary Flames have 25 points. Edmonton, who's won six straight. They are beating the Devils currently, so uh, they're, they're slowly getting up there. Um, Edmonton, they have to worry about uh, Minnesota, um, although they've lost the last two, but they could still come back soon. Uh, they have 22 points. Uh, the Ducks seem to have come back to reality, and they have 20 points. But um, So it is definitely possible that Arizona stays can stay in the wildcard spot, uh, but of course they have to continue to win games. Um, so we'll see, um, but I feel like, uh, so our first question is, will the Yotes make the playoffs? I mean, I feel like the Coyotes are getting a lot of shooting percentage luck. Um, but as I mentioned, their power play is 24.4%, and they have 84 goals on the campaign. Just by taking a look at the rankings, 84 goals gets you 13th best in the league, tied with Nashville. And to put that into perspective, the Florida Panthers have 85 goals, which is one above Arizona. Those guys, we got like Sam Reinhardt, Alex Barkov, a lot of high-end talent on that team. And you look at the shots per game, uh, the Florida Panthers are averaging 34 shots per game, which is insane. The Arizona Coyotes are averaging 27.4 per game. In case you're wondering, is that low? The only teams with a lower shooting percentage, or uh, sorry, not shooting percentage, average shots four per game are the Chicago Blackhawks, who are 9-16-1 at the time of recording, and the San Jose Sharks, who are 8-17-2. And granted, have gotten better, but they're still bad. Um, So Arizona's bottom three in that department. So in order for the Arizona Coyotes to make the playoffs, they can't be relying on their defense to average, you know, two goals against per game and just hope that three that three goals is going to be enough. The shooting percentage needs to stay good. Their shooting um, efficiencies, their shots for per game, those need to go up and they need to continue putting pucks in the net. I just don't think it's realistic, um, especially with the Edmonton Oilers getting on. We'll talk about that uh, later in the podcast. Um, I, I just feel like there are some teams on the up and up that are eventually going to overtake Arizona in the standings. I think if you're in the hunt, once you get into March, uh, that's already a successful season for the Coyotes. You're not expected to do much of anything at this point. Um, if they can defy the odds, then, Hey, I'll eat crow. Good for them. Um, but I don't expect the Arizona Coyotes to be, a legitimate playoff threat quite just yet. I think mm-hmm. they're punching about their weight right now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the easy answer to say that they're punching up. There, <laughs> it is, yeah. You know? um, so there is a part of me that feels like, you know what? Like, I feel like Arizona can make the playoffs. Um, but then the other part of me is thinking like, oh, well, Edmonton Oilers, it looks like they're back. And, um, 
and like who knows with all these other teams as well. So I'm like, uh, I guess I guess you might be onto something, but um, but there's also that part of my brain that's like I'm I'm rooting for you guys because I I love underdogs even though yes I am a Bruins fan. But. If you want a good feel good story yeah. here, the Arizona Coyotes have 33 goals in the first period, which is. Yep. Only uh, which is um, Edmonton and Tampa have only scored more goals yep. uh, in that department. And in period two, there's uh, fifth best in the league with 32 goals per game. Detroit, Vancouver, Colorado and Vegas are the only team are the only teams in the second period with more goals for than them. So they're getting off to a good start and they're maintaining that. Um, they're maintaining that urgency in the second period. Then when you get to the third period, though, their goal scoring dipped dip hard. Yeah, yeah, I guess, uh, well, I thought you were actually going to go with, because, like, if there are feel-good stories, there's a lot of feel-good stories from just players on the team um, that are interesting, at least, or, like, it's like, oh, it's cool that Nick Bukestad has found a role um, on this team. Yeah, I remember, like, 100%. I remember when he entered the league, um, I, I just started playing fantasy hockey, and he was one of my guys, um, and then I, um, and then I just like started following his career and then slowly, but surely he started to struggle. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, I guess he's going to be one of those guys who just has like a short term. Cause he wasn't, he was like decent on the Panthers, but then he goes to Minnesota and he's not, um, and then he comes back to like somewhat relevancy, like every now and then he, he goes on the score sheet. But yeah, it's really cool that Nick Bukestad is all of a sudden really good. Um, it's cool that Michael Carconi, after learning about him from you, the fact that like he was on the Senators, he was on the Leafs, and then um, and and now he's like a 26 year old who um, who hasn't even really played for in the NHL in a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, like he like he played in 2021 uh, for the Coyotes. He played 21 games there. He had six points there. Then I guess he gets injured or he just goes back to the AHL for a time. Um, and then in 2022, he plays nine games in Arizona. He has three points in nine games. And then this year, um, he's already played more games um, than, uh, than he did in 2021 with 25. And now he has 13 goals. And he's like a 26-year-old. So it's like he didn't even get like one shot at the NHL. He had like uh, not even two shots. He had three shots. And he wasn't even that high of a draft pick either. So it's like it's pretty cool that like, oh, Carcone, like who knows if this will continue. I doubt it. Like, you know, there's signs that say that he's probably not going to be there. But then at the same time, there's a bunch of these late bloomers like Joe Pavelski, Brad Marchand, who are – all like late round picks. I mean, obviously, I, I feel like that would be a pipe dream to say that Carcone is going to be like a Joe Pavelski or Brad Marchand. But at the same time, it's like, hey, like that's kind of what you need. It's like that's like a diamond in the rough type of thing. Um, also, I wanted to mention Alex Kerfoot because uh, it seemed like he had a similar type of thing where uh, like uh, last year he played for Toronto. Um, as you had mentioned as well, that like Alex, uh, like Steve Dangle, uh, kind of never really liked Alex Kerfoot when he was on Toronto. 
Um, he was always on like a. Fourth he was line always line. annoyed when Keith would put him on the first line. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I mean he's still on like the third line here in Arizona, but at the same time, fifteen points in twenty six games, like I'd take that any single day. Um, and there was also like a point where he was on uh, during this time period when he was playing when they were playing Tampa Bay, Colorado, St. Louis, and Washington. He has. Let me just count this out. He has. Uh, Nine points in that span of that five-game winning streak. Um, so mm-hmm. nine points in five games, two of which were three points. Um, so, like, it's, like, pretty cool that, like, oh, he's, like, you know, he's kind of, like, he's still, like, a role player in Arizona. But it is it is kind of cool that it's, like, oh, he, he's kind of showing up. Like, all of a sudden, he's Connor McDavid. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm exaggerating here. So, uh, so I do think that there is something here, and oh, Connor Ingram is another one where it seems like I kind of ha- like I heard of him I think before the season, but obviously not like this, and I wasn't sure if he was going to be this good. But like mm-hmm. you know, you remember all like the the Arizona goaltenders' history where they used to like rely on Antti Ranta, but then he got injured for a time. They had Darcy Kemper. Um, mm-hmm. and then they traded him away to, uh, Colorado. Um, and then they have this Carol Velishmilka, um, who was good as an, uh, I'd alluded to before, but like, don't forget Devin Dubnik resurrected his career back Dubnik's in the day with the one, Coyotes. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Of course, Mike Smith, uh, for a time, but that's when like the Coyotes were actually good. They used to be in the Western conference finals. Nikolai Happy yeah. Bullen way, Mackie way Bullen. back before he went to Tampa Bay, yeah. he was uh, finding his groove too. So, so he's another one where it's like, it's hard to hate that guy either. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's just kind of cool that it's like, like, yeah, you're, you're, we're probably right that uh, this team is probably not going to make the playoffs. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, like this is a fun team to root for because they have all these mm-hmm. guys who like went through some something um, to get to this point in their career, um, and that it's just cool. Um, anyways, um, in terms of, to answer this question, I think they'll. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they make the playoffs, but it's gonna be at a second wild card. I don't think they'll. Yeah, make, if they make it, they barely make it, man. Yeah. I, yeah. But uh, but I do think that they'll make the playoffs. But yeah, maybe at a second wild card, they might just be, you know. But they might be like sneaky spoilers um, to whoever is the the top team in the Western Conference. Um, okay, uh, then we have. Um, but also, I do want to. I think I did mention this, but I also want to. It's worth repeating. Uh, Andre Tourney. He should if they do make the playoffs. Andre Turney should win the Cal or the Jack Adams. Um, yeah, that's no. Although I guess maybe you you make a case for Rick Tockett. Although Rick Tockett's the other, he was a former Arizona Coyotes coach. <laughs> um, maybe you say Tockett, um, but I, I I do think you should credit Torini for bringing out the most out of these players. Um, anyways, um, so if we are gonna say like. Should like what should the Coyotes do, uh, come trade deadline? Should they like try to get some pieces, or should they just like consider this a success already and but like you know really really start trying next year? 
I think regardless of of what they well, I think regardless of what they do, they'd be wise to focus on the future. Mm-hmm. But if they're six or seven games above five hundred and there's still a chance, I'm curious if they do what Ottawa did and they just roll the dice and see what happens anyway and just get yep. the young guys the experience of being involved in a playoff push in meaningful games where your season's on the line. Yep. Because these guys haven't had that. Clayton Keller has barely had this in his career. So sure. has Nick Schmaltz. Yep. Logan Cooley as a rookie, this would be huge for him. Same with Matthias McKelly, yep. who has only been here for a couple of years. Connor Ingram briefly in Nashville um, had a dance in the playoffs and he held his own against the Yavs, but his team was just no match for them. But even still, I'm sure that playoff experience has kind of been able to elevate his game to a point where he can become this guy that you can roll the dice with every night. So um, I think it all depends on where they are in the standings. If there's six games above 500, um, then I then I start to second guess that uh, looking into the future theory. But yeah. if they're just teetering around 500, then I probably focus on the future. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. And there's still like a couple months <laughs> left to go, so uh, before the deadline, so. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I do wonder, though, maybe they try to trade Justin uh, Zucker, Justin Zucker, Jason Zucker, maybe, <laughs> or uh, Matt Dumba. Because um, I'm looking at their cap friendly page. Did you know that all their defensemen um, are free agents next year? <laughs> like, like, literally, <laughs> all of them. Matt Dumba, yeah, Sean no, Dirk, Josh Brown, Troy me. Stetcher, Yusuf Alamaki, Michael Kesselring, who, by the way, he's been on the score sheet as well. JJ Moser, Travis Dermott. Yeah. They're all UFAs or are restricted free agents for some of them. Um, that's, that's really funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll see. I, I can, um, yeah. When I bet you they were probably thinking like, the Coyotes were thinking like, well, um, we don't really know what we have with any of these guys. So we're just going to let it play out for the season. And then whoever stands out uh, towards the end will will be the guy that we lock up in Jersey for sure. Um, and J.J. Moser um, seems like the other front runner, but it is kind of funny. Um, I yeah. do want to point out this interesting fact, and I wonder if this is going to factor into their decision um, in terms of the trade. I know it's way, way far away, but in April... In April, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. Two are against the Canucks, who are currently near the top of the Pacific Division standings. Two are against the Edmonton Oilers, who are starting to catch fire and probably will be neck and neck with them at worst once we get to the playoff race. And you also have the Vegas Golden Knights in there. So those right there are like five games out of those final eight that could determine their playoff fate. And at that point, went to get into, you know, late February, early March, as you're trying to make these moves, I wonder realistically if the coaching staff management is going to be like, okay, so we're in this position. If we're starting to think ahead, move forward, uh, if it's better to, you know, roll the dice or look forward to the future. Out of those five games, realistically, what are the odds that, um, that we win like three or four of them? Because those are going to be very, very, very tough matchups that deep into the season. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that is interesting. 
Um, it's just a nugget I wanted to throw out there. Okay. Yeah. Also, I uh, I wanted to because I was just looking at the prospects that they have. Of course, they have Dylan Gunther who's doing really well. Um, I had forgotten about Victor. So uh, the guy yeah. they the guy they drafted twelfth <laughs> um, overall this year, uh, Danielle Boot. Um, he has fifteen Ooh. points in twenty nine games in the KHL, and he's like a nineteen year old. So not bad. Um, let me look at. But yeah, I was I was also thinking like. I wonder if they start to look at offers of Barrett Hayden. Um, like, obviously, you don't want to trade like all your prospects because um, I don't. I think they're aware that like, oh, well, like our window's pretty long, and they're probably going to compete next year. Um, but for the foreseeable future. But at the same time, it's like it doesn't like it seems like Barrett Hayden needs a change of scenery. Maybe that may trade. Uh, Soderstrom, who's another guy. Um, oh, Simashev. Okay, he has five points in 35 games for in the KHL. Um, but, of course, he's a defenseman um, as well. So, And I think he was always going to be like a shutdown defenseman. Um, but, yeah. That Barrett Hayden conversation is interesting because he was a high draft pick. Yeah. That was in 2018. Yep. Like, look at the players that were drafted in 2018. Like, Brady Kachuk, yep. who was a standout for the Ottawa Senators. Um, Jesperi Kakaniemi, um hasn't lived up to the offensive billing at least. But, you know, he's still in an everyday NHL player, and he's playing for the Carolina Hurricanes now. So, at this po- at, at that point, if you're the Arizona Coyotes, you're evaluating, okay, is this guy still a late bloomer and he's bound to catch fire? We just need to wait when the right time will come and you'll be a star like we all thought he would. Or are you at this point where you're just like, yeah, he is what he is, probably best to move on. He might do better from a change of scenery. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just depends on what you can get uh, for, for Barrett Hayden, but I... I do wonder if he uh, could benefit from a change of scenery. Um, yeah. also, I mean, you look at Carl yeah. Vomelka, the, the package around him before he struggled yeah. uh, this season, like last year, I think he could get a package of picks when he was performing. And this year, um, I definitely don't think you could have get that package for Vomelka, especially with that contract they gave him. So Yeah. Also, it's like I was thinking, like, maybe you don't because, you know, you – if you have Cooley and Hayden as your one and two for the future, you're, you're pretty good. But at the same time, it seems like, um, well, there's two things for that. Hayden seems like he's not actually living up to that just yet. And then also it's like, uh, Nick Schmaltz, he's 27 years old. Um, he's still pretty good. Uh, so he could still be your, in your future, um, even though he'll probably be 30 once the Coyotes are really good. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I like, but like Logan Cooley, it looks like he's going to be a guy pretty soon as well. So, um, but okay. So you have Schmoltz and Logan Cooley as your one and two. Maybe that means that, uh, you don't need Barrett Hayden to be as successful, or maybe he becomes the third line center, uh, for them. So we'll see. Um, Okay, so now let me start the timer uh, for our rapid yep, fire. let's start it. Unless, do you have more to say about the Arizona Coyotes? 
No, I'm sure there'll be a topic once we get to the trade deadline, uh, for better or worse. Uh, I will actually say one thing about their arena development. Apparently, in the new year, we're going to get more details, but apparently they're looking at North Phoenix uh, for their new arena location. So hopefully it goes better than uh, their Pursuit for Tempe, but we'll see. Yeah, we didn't even touch on that point, that um, extra factor to it, too. It's like they play... Yeah. It, 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 sounds, it sounds promising on that front, which is good. good. Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say that, like, they play in a college arena right now. Um, and it's like, you know, it's it's kind and of... They don't have control of when yeah. their home venues happen. Right. The Coyotes, um, like, they can't even have really Saturday home games because yeah. that's when Arizona State plays. But honestly, it makes their, like, what what's going on even more impressive that they're, like, they they have to deal with things that other teams don't have to deal with. And there's, like... You know, they're, they're somehow making it out. And that's also like a kind of like an underdog story. It's kind of cool. Yeah, um, drowning out the noise, you know, that'll yeah. also help when you're good as yep. well. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to start the rapid fire. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Gary Bettman uh, talked to the media uh, a lot today. Uh, they're... There was something about like the World Cup and Olympic news, but we're going to save that because we have a future topic idea that we're going to talk when there's like a slow news week. Uh, but anyways, other things that Gary Bettman had mentioned, um, the cap is officially going up next year. Um, the thing, though, that's interesting is I saw some reports that it was going up six million. So every team will have six million in cap space extra, uh, which obviously would be great. But I also saw some reports that it's going up four million. So I'm not sure what to say exactly if it's going up, but either way, it looks like it's going up, and um, there's something to that. Um, I was actually thinking about this. It's like, okay, so if the cap is going up six million, then that or you know, so that there's more space for all these teams, um, then that probably means that the Leafs are could. Uh, sign Willie Nylander or like the Panthers could sign Sam Reinhart um, because it's like just basically what we see with uh, inflation going on where like the good teams like yeah it's like okay if there's a more cap space yes you could probably get Willie Nylander but you could also like the Leafs also have six million left in cap space as well so and then there's also like that also means that like the guys who are um who would probably be making two million um are gonna be making four million now because there's more cap space going on. So it's it's just basically we're gonna be experiencing inflation. But of course it, it's kind of it's good news that the um the NHL can pay more money. Of course we can't pay as nearly as much as seven hundred million like Shohei Otani. But it's it's kind of it's exciting, at least, especially since like the last three years we've had flat cap situations going on. Yeah, I mean, four point two million increase is a lot better than just like ah, oh, here's another million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, and and I also think that's going to move the needle in terms of like deals that NHL yep. GMs are willing to make at the trade deadline, and I think that's good for big league business if you're the league yep. where. GMs are not afraid to, you know, make those big trades because, you know, yep. I think the NHL is more relevant when the league is talking about them. And when like a big trade happens involving a big superstar, 
well, that's probably, you know, one reason, uh, one, one excuse to get uh, more attraction uh, throughout hockey circles is, you know, people are in certain cities, you know, are talking about, hey, did you hear that big trade we just made? Or, right. hey, did you hear about the big signings? So free agency signings, as we're especially going into a year where you're going to get to see a lot of big stars get their due, get paid. Um it's, it's definitely going to be beneficial for the players that, in that regard. Although I did hear rumblings that once that cap goes up by $4.2 million, that it might not go up as much for the ensuing years. So I'm curious uh, still to see uh, what uh, the market uh, looks like because, you know, once you get to, you know, uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel making their future decisions mm. – um, you know, they could, could command a couple more million than what they're getting right now. And, you know, then again, you got to wonder if, if the cap is going to be big enough to accommodate their demands. So, yep. Uh, so the, uh, so Gary Bettman, this is from Ryan S. Clark. Garrett, Gary Bettman says the cap will go up 87.7 million and adds the league has made more than 6 billion in revenue. Um, so there's that. Um, the next story here, um, that was also what Gary Bettman said, that the NHL draft is going to be in Vegas um, at the Sphere. Um, Very was, good choice on yeah, location there. Exactly, yeah. They went to Nashville last year and then Montreal the year before that, so they're doing like a party, all the party cities basically. And it's, for, <laughs> it's probably intentional that they're doing it this way because this is going to be the last centralized draft, which means that... Um, you know, how there's all these different tables of, of all 32 teams um, that are going up against each other. But instead, they're going to do what the NFL draft does, the NBA draft does as well, um, where the commissioner is going to say all the picks and, like, the, the teams are just going to phone it in. Um, I'm kind of, like, bittersweet about this because I kind of, like, that was my favorite part about the draft is that every single team goes up and announces their pick, and it makes it feel more personalized rather than, like, Roger yeah. Goodell announcing the Like, picks. when Louis LeBlanc yeah. went up there in Montreal yeah. and he got that big ovation after he got picked. Yeah. Like, that that's that's the kind of stuff that right. I I miss. Or, you know, a big trade yeah. involving the home team, and there's, right. like, a buzz in the crowd. Well, right? When I, the Habs think... trade for Kirby Doc, they got a big reaction. There. I, I assume they're, it's still, like, if they're going to replicate what the NFL draft does, that's still they're still going to have fans there. It's just that they're going to have, like, a Montreal draft party, but in Montreal, they're going to have a Toronto draft party, but in Toronto, and they're going to do it for yeah. all the 32 teams. So it could be special from that angle too, where it's like, you yeah. feel even more personalized. Cause like, yeah, I probably would go to a Bruins draft party. Um, but it's, it's also just like, I kind of like the unique way that NHL does it. So it'll be interesting to see how they do it. And if they, they already have draft parties today, like you see GMs shut them out every time they're on the podium. Oh yeah. yeah, Fair. But I think it's like those, those GMs are actually going to be there. Um, Right. Yeah. yeah. Which, which I guess I can see is why like the NHL would have that. Yeah. yeah. Draft parties are already a thing. Let's just make it bigger. Yeah. There was like rumblings that this was going to happen. And I think what, what, really stood like or what made gms want to decide to do this was um in mm. nashville there was like a like the airport basically closed um and no one could get anywhere um and they um and i think there was also like an aspect of like the draft was like two days before july 1st 
this year. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like, you know, you could just move the dates. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be yeah. like, like that. So and that was another counter argument yeah. too, yeah. Uh, was you have to fly all the media there, right. all the people there. Yeah, and yeah. If it cuts down on expenses in that regard, I'm yeah. sure the NHL is just be like, Hey, what are other ways we can, you know, um, bounce up the salary cap. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe look at uh, things that cost a bit less. Maybe yeah, this maybe you're, helps yeah. them save a little bit of money to you know bolster the cap. Oh yeah, you're probably right. Actually, that does make more sense. I think that's one reason, one of many reasons they're doing. No, this. no, I like that though. But I think you're yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, it all revolves around uh, the big moolah bread. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, all yeah. know this. No, no. Unfortunately, you're right. Um, but yeah. Um, in any case, um, yeah, we'll talk about the World Cup uh, next week, probably. Um, Joseph Wall, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender who was pr- pretty good um, in his time. It looks like he's injured. It looks like he's week to week. Um, they did sign uh, Martin Jones. Um, so so we'll see. They also have um, Ilya Samsonov, of course. But, um, but yeah, so that, that's unfortunate for Toronto. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at uh, the goaltending stats for Ilya Samsonov, <laughs> yeah, oh boy, they are not pretty. Um, yep. And you can see why Joseph Wall was getting a majority of the starts. Uh, Ilya Samsonov, shockingly, is five one and three on the season, but he has a three twenty one goals against and a save percentage of eight eighty six. Yeah, <laughs> and that was before the latest uh, game where. Uh, the Leafs uh, shut out uh, Nashville, I believe it was, 4 nothing. Uh, Martin Jones, fittingly enough, comes in, ends up getting the win in relief uh, after stopping uh, 9 of 10 shots uh, against the Ottawa Senators in that final 10 or so minutes, I think it was, um, which is probably I would call the anti-David Ayers game where mm. a goalie just comes in and saves the day and isn't really tested much except the Leafs' benefit this time. Um and I, I just feel like with Joseph Wool, uh, the team rallies around him uh, a bit more than they have with Samsonov. Like he's got a nine sixteen save percentage, which, which is is crazy to think about. And um, Ilya Samsonov needs to turn back the clock to last year because uh, he has not performed anything close to that. And yep. if his struggles continue in the net, uh, that record's going to look a lot less impressive. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, the Sens fans uh, have more false hope because the Leafs will probably be climbing down the standings a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, t- uh, in good news though, um, or uh, in terms of like outeries, I guess is the term. Uh, Tage Thompson returns. Um, returned this week. He had like an assist and I think a goal as well um, in the two games. But however. Alex Tuck, it looks like he's injured. Deline was also injured, but he came back on Saturday. Um, it looks like T- T- Tuck might be back this week, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, in any case, it's kind of cool to see that Tage Thompson is back. And it was like, I think when he was injured, we thought that it was going to be a long time, but it turns out it was just a month. Um, so it's cool to see him back. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Buffalo Sabres have also been getting yeah. uh, pretty crappy luck uh, because uh, they pelted 48 shots at Caden Primo and they lost in a shootout um, against um, against the Habs there um, on Saturday. 
And they've, they've been having a couple of uh, one-goal loss uh, uh, hardships. Um, they've had some close games uh, against the Red Wings where they've lost. They mm-hmm. lost to Nashville 2-1 to one, uh, last Sunday as well. Uh, they uh, also um, have uh, had a couple of uh, lopsided blowouts, a 6-2 loss to Carolina um, the day before the loss to Nashville as well. They lost 7-2 to New Jersey November the 25th. And as we've mentioned, I think, in previous episodes, uh, Devin Levi has struggled yeah. and uh, not been uh, nearly uh, the goalie we thought he'd be at the start of the year. So, um uh, if they're not getting the goaltending, I don't think they're getting the win, sadly. Yeah, he was demoted to Rochester, and then I think they called him back up recently. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I was thinking, like, I do think that Devin, Devin Levi is going to be pretty good. Um, yeah. But I, do, I did think that he would be in the AHL for the most part this year. It was kind of weird that they rushed him up. Having said that, like, he did play well against the Canadians last night. Um, he had, let me just look here. Yeah. He had 29 saves, um, and gave up three, two goals. Um, and it, you know, it went to a shootout. So it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong there. It's also funny too, is I'm, I go to some Northeastern games. Caden Primo was the other guy. Uh, they both went to the same, uh, Northeastern school, um, there. Yeah. Yep. And what's also interesting is that uh, the Sabres lost a skills competition yep. to the Habs. And not to say that the Habs don't oh, have yeah. talented forwards. They have Caulfield and they have Suzuki. Yeah. But you've caught a mountain of offense uh, with, with yep. Buffalo. And the fact that Montreal sure. was able to beat you, uh, not great news. Fair, fair. Uh, the Penguins haven't had a power play goal in a month. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking and, of bad luck yeah, on offense. I know, I know. Uh, but uh, that's... Um, it's interesting too because I thought like okay when you get Eric Carlson he's kind of known as that guy like that's Eric Carlson's strengths is yeah basically why you got him yeah exactly in the power play and you also add in the fact like you already had Sidney Crosby you have Kenny Malkin and it's just kind of crazy that they haven't even been able to do this because you would th- like because it turns out that you're right the Penguins aren't as good as I thought they would be but. Like, I had thought that the reason why they wouldn't be good was because of Tristan Jari. Like, if that was going to be their downfall, it would have been that. But Tristan Jari, I was just looking. He has, like, a 920 save percentage right now. Um, he's not the problem. It, it just seems like there's other things going on um, in Pittsburgh that it's, like, it, you know, I guess Raquel has been injured. It looks like Brian Rust is on the IR now, too. Yeah, both um, long-term as well. But, like, even still, like, you would think a you know, a team, like, you wouldn't think that, like, Raquel and Russ, as good as they are, they're more secondary guys, right? So, it's, you would think, like, it, and it's not like Crosby and Malkin or Gensel are having bad um, seasons anyways, and Carlson's having a decent season, of course, it's not like a 100-point pace like he was last year, it's just kind of crazy. Um, also, the Leafs, apparently, uh, a couple seasons ago, do have the record of this, um, but yeah, I did want to mention that the Penguins are struggling. And then uh, lastly, the Oilers. Uh, they have won six straight. Uh, they are currently beating the uh, New Jersey Devils three to one right now. So um, it looks like that's going to continue and be seven straight for the Oilers. So um, it turns out that, yeah, um, who knew that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel, the Oilers, are going to figure things out, um, it looks like. <laughs> 
I mean, we knew those two players were yep. going to figure it out. It was just the rest of the team true. that I was worried true, about. True, true, true. Before I eat crow, I just wanted to specify. Yeah, um, Yeah, take a look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, only the Kings, Golden Knights, Bruins, and Jets have surrendered fewer goals than the Penguins this year. Yeah. Pittsburgh is 11-12-3 and 12 and three on the year. Their power play overall is 9.5%. Uh, the only teams with the worst power uh, uh, power oh, play right. are the Washington Capitals, who have given up the eighth fewest goals. And, um, oh, yeah, there was uh, another team that uh, was uh, very underwhelming. Uh, their name escapes me. Oh, yeah, the St. Louis Blues, who are 13-13-1. Uh, they have an 8.8 .8, uh, percentage rate on the power play. And, and even with, like, Jake Gensel there as well, like – the fact that you're 0 for 37 over the course of a month, I can buy like a six game or a seven game stretch where you don't have a power play. Like those things happen, but a full month with Eric Carlson, who's just coming off a hundred point yep. season, like, geez, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, I will say Chris Latanga looks like he's like, uh, f like he's not good anymore. It seems like, um, so I don't know. Yeah. Something has to change for the Penguins. I'm not sure what, yeah. but something has to happen. I was thinking that Mike Sullivan needs to be gone. Cause I think that's something that you can do. Um, that, you know, that like, you know, kind of, it works. They the could Oilers. do that. I don't think it fixes all their flaws though. Right, it's right. bigger than just one guy behind the bench. And, and Sullivan's a good coach, but like, I don't know what else you do really. Um, so so that's the only I will thing. tell you what, if they fire Mike Sullivan, he is going straight to a cup contender because oh. you look at teams that um, have struggled to put it together, but maybe like a new voice uh, could yep. fix everything. And not to say that Lindy Ruff has lost grip on the New Jersey Devils because they're still scoring a bunch, yep. uh, but they have 91 goals for and 90 goals against. They can't outscore their problems forever. They're 14, 10, and 1 right yeah, now. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good point. I was I, I thought you were actually because I know that you're a Homer Senators fan. I thought you were gonna say like, oh, he, <laughs> Sylvan's gonna go to the Senators, but he might be no, in a worse. I situation. I think I think um I think if they make a change at coach, it comes yeah. at the end of the year, regardless of how they do. However, I did see though that Sullivan is like he might sign an extension with the Penguins too, so. <laughs> Um, I think both sides might want to rethink that. Chief. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But you never know with John Henry. It seems like he, he doesn't make any, any <laughs> That is true. Stuff. And maybe Shohei Otani can go talking when he's done playing baseball. I don't know. I mean, Shohei Otani, like, doesn't need to work a day in his life, basically, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're but, not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, anyways, um, you can follow us on uh itunes spotify wherever else you get your podcasts subscribe to us please um you can also uh follow us on twitter at lace up podcast our facebook is lace them up um yeah that's about it i'm brett duboff i'm steve else we'll talk again in episode 392 of the lace them up podcast